Well, one last time, I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, and uh, today we're going to be ending this uh, series of messages through 1 Thessalonians. And uh, as we look at the closing of chapter 5, uh, we've been in this for uh, quite a long time now, and so uh, I don't know about you, but I have uh, thoroughly uh, been enjoying this study through 1 Thessalonians, and as we take a look at this and we get to these uh, final uh, statements that here uh, the Word of God has for us in 1 Thessalonians, it is uh, the Apostle Paul kind of just bringing this letter to an end, bringing this letter to a close, to its conclusion, uh, but wrapping up the, the, the central theme, the central message uh, that he has here. And so as we look at this, uh, we, we find here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 23, uh, we have have uh, the, the uh, final words that here it is the Apostle Paul is saying uh, to the church in Thessalonica, but really he begins his closing kind of in, uh, uh, in verse 25 as he says, uh, brethren, pray for us, greet all of the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And so that, that's really his final remarks, but just before he says that in verse 23 and verse 24, we kind of see this prayer that the Apostle Paul offers up for the church of Thessalonica. We, we see this prayer and, and uh, you know, there's a bit of debate of whether this is actually a prayer or these are still uh, just words that he's saying of edification to them, but there's some interesting words that I believe that we can see within this that indicate, yes, it is actually a prayer. In verse 23, he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you and he is all, and he also will bring it to pass. And so there's a couple of words right here, really one word uh, that he says twice within this text of scripture that can indicate the fact that this really is a prayer because as he's saying, he says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you. And so that's what he's asking for. That's his request. This first request, anyway, is that the God of peace, may the God of peace sanctify you. And so secondly, not only does he say, that may the God of peace sanctify you entirely, he also says right after that, may your spirit and soul and body be preserved completely without blame for the, at, the, uh, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So two things I believe he's praying right here. He's not just praying them, but he's also wanting to get them across to the church that these are things that we need to take seriously. These are things that we need to hold value to. And first of all, he's saying, may God sanctify you. Amen. And we need to be sanctified men and women of God. We're going to talk more about what that means here in just a minute. And then the second thing, may God preserve you without blame. And so really, it almost it's kind of the same thing. He's kind of repeating himself in a sense, a little bit different, but almost the same thing. So may God sanctify you and may God preserve you without blame. And so when we look at this and begin to understand, well, what is sanctification? What does it mean to be sanctified? We've already looked at some text of Scripture right here within 
1 Thessalonians that talks about sanctification and talks about what it means to be sanctified. And really, through this entire part right here, through this entire section, uh, we see within these scriptures, we see uh, kind of a bookmark. We see a bookmark there at the beginning of uh, chapter 4. We, we see here at the beginning of chapter 4, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk in peace in God, just as you actually walk and you excel still more. So he said, I want you to walk in peace. I want you to walk in the instruction of the Word of God and not just walk in that instruction of the Word of God. He said, I want you to excel in that instruction of the Word of God all the more. Uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Take those commandments by the authority that's given by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Walk in those. Then he goes on in verse 3. For this is the will of God. This is the will of God. What's the will of God? Your sanctification. And so there he started that conversation in chapter 4 and verse 1. He started that conversation of sanctification. Went on then to talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ and all of the aspects of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Then he closes this conversation, if you will, with sanctification. And then as he closes this with sanctification, we see there in verse 23 of chapter 5, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved completely without blame that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, this entire section, the, the, the meat of it is about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is about the resurrection. It is about the rapture. It is about the day of the Lord. It is about all of these things that are combined. And he talks about it all the way through. He even ends this conversation at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is our responsibility as children of God? Our responsibility as children of God is that we be sanctified entirely. Amen? That, that we walk in sanctification and so he talks about those things in chapter uh, 4 right there. He talks about uh, being sanctified and what it means to be sanctified. In chapter 4 and verse 4, that you... Uh, let each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the, uh, in the manner because the Lord is the avenger in all of these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but sanctification." And so there he talks about sanctification. He talks about all of the aspects of sanctification. Of course, that's, a, that's not all of the aspects of sanctification. That's just some of the aspects of sanctification. And so you say, well, well, well Brother Russell, remind me of what in the world does it even mean uh, to be sanctified? What does it mean to be sanctified? To be sanctified is literally uh, the, that same word holy. We can use that word holy. It is to be holy. Well, what does it mean to be holy? It literally means to 
be set apart. Amen. That's what that word means. It means that we're set apart, right? Uh, we're, we're set apart. And who are we specifically set apart for? We are set apart for God. And so we have a choice as Christians, as Christians, as children of God. We're not talking about lost people anymore. We're talk, not talking about those that are going to see the wrath of God come on the day of the Lord. We're talking about Christians here today. And as Christians, we need to make a choice. Me and you, we need to make a church as a, a choice as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we going to live set apart for the Lord Jesus Christ, live a holy life, live an honorable life that brings Him glory, that brings Him honor? Or are we going to live a life that is set apart and looks just like the world? Amen? We need to make that choice. And God's not going to force us to make that choice, but every single one of us need to make that individual choice. Are we going to be set apart, men and women of God, set apart in sanctification, being sanctified for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ? Or are we going to just walk and talk and live and exist like everybody else in the world? And listen, there's Christians every single day that are walking and talking and acting and looking like everybody else in the world every single day. And, and I'm not doubting their salvation. I'm not doubting whether or not they're heaven bound. But listen, they're not living up to the full potential that God has in store for them within their life. Amen? And so as we look at this, to be set apart is to, to, to be holy. It's to be separate from the wicked ways of the world. And as we're going to make that decision that we're going to be separate from the wicked ways of the world. You know, we, we have a lot of talk today about the lost condition of the world. And as we have a lot of talk today about the lost condition of the world, why isn't the gospel getting out into the world? Why isn't the church having an impact upon society? Why do we see so little of the church and community, I believe the reason why we see so little of the impact of the church within community, so little of the impact of the church within the world, is because there's so much of the world impact within the church. Amen? Far too much world impact within the lives and the being of the church. And so, friends, that, that diminishes our power, that diminishes our, our, our ability to function fully as the body of Christ. And so, as he's reminding us that Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, and Jesus is coming back after his church. Jesus is coming back after his own. And Jesus is coming back with great vengeance, with, with great wrath on the day of the Lord when the whole world is going to see his wrath fall down upon them. But in the meantime, between now and between then, what we need to do is we need to be sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be separate. We need to be holy. We need to be set apart. We, we don't need to look like, act like, talk like, walk like everybody else in the world. Amen? And so when we look at that, we need to be different, first of all, to bring glory and honor to God, but we need to be different also if we're going to truly be a witness and we're looking like and walking like and talking like and acting like everybody else in the world, well, then we're not going to be an effective witness. What do you have that's any different than anything I already have? Because all I see out of you is the world. Amen? 
But do I see in you the joy of your salvation? Do I see in you the work of God as as He's working out that work of salvation within your life? And not to say that you're perfect because you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, none of us are perfect. You know, as we begin to think about that, as none of us are perfect, as none of us uh, are are walking in that perfection, even in that we can bring honor and glory to God. Yes, I make mistakes. Yes, I blow it. Yes, I mess up. But you know what? I'm going to confess those things and I'm going to lay those things down on the altar so that God in His grace and His mercy is going to forgive me of those things and then I'm going to stand right back up and walk and pursue that sanctification within my life and bring God glory and bring God honor in that. I believe it's just as dangerous to walk around in a life of self-righteousness and pretend like you have everything all ironed out and you're absolutely perfect and there's absolutely nothing wrong with you and you're far better than all the rest of the heathens of the world. That's just as dangerous as it is of us Christians walking around and being worldly. Amen? So there's two sides of the spectrum and we need to walk in the true side. We need to walk in honesty and we need to walk in integrity and we need to pursue that sanctification because here it is, what is Paul saying? He is saying, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And so as the God of peace sanctifies you entirely yes there is a part that we play in this yes i need to make a choice in this yes i need to make a decision that i'm going to pursue god i'm going to pursue the things of god i'm going to spend time in my bible reading my bible i'm going to spend time in prayer and seeking the face of god i'm going to spend time in church and in bible study uh, with other christians that could help grow me and help mature me but really if there's going to be any true christian growth uh, within my life it is the God it is God himself that causes that growth but listen he's not going to grow anybody that's not seeking him amen he's not going to grow you if you're not seeking him and so when we get a look at this it is God himself that causes this growth and this is what Paul is praying he says now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely Sanctify you entirely is what he's saying. So as we're looking at this and we're reminded, as we've already looked here in chapter 5, as we see in, um, in this text of Scripture where that we're not like the people of the world, where we're children of light, we're children of the day, we're not children of the night, therefore we have that responsibility to be sober, uh, spiritually sober, we have that responsibility to be awake, to be spiritually awake, but also as you look up uh, the, just the first couple of verses above this, he says in verse 21, he says, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good how do you examine everything carefully you do it by the word of god amen and you also do it by prayer by praying and seeking god god lead me into truth lead me into your truth that truth is going to be lined up with the word of god also the next verse right there it says in verse 22 says abstain from every form of evil every form of evil Friends, this world is full of evil. Amen? This world is absolutely full of evil. 
You know, there's a lot of talk today about, uh, about homeschooling children because there's so much evil that's being taught uh, within, um, within the uh, school systems, and, and, and it is. There's a, there's a lot of wickedness in there, and, you know, it, it's evil all over the world. And, you know, we're blessed to be where we are because we have a lot of godly Christian uh, teachers, and I praise God for those godly Christian teachers. But you know what, what concerns me more uh, than, than a wicked teacher influencing my child? I, what concerns me more is another child influencing my child. Amen? Because we live in a wicked world. And they're not taught in their home the same values and the same Christian principles that I'm teaching my children at my home. Of course, my, my children are now grown and, grown, uh, grown and gone, but we have our grandchildren uh, that we need to worry about. But the whole world is full of wickedness. The whole world is full of evil. And yet the Bible says uh, for us to abstain from every form of evil and to be sanctified. We're to be set apart from all of those things. And so how do we do that? We do that by pursuing God within our life. In every aspect of our life, in every area of our life, we don't focus upon the things of this world. We focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We focus upon Him and upon Him alone. That's why the Bible says to keep our eyes focused on the things above rather than the things below. Amen? Because when we focus on the things below, guess what? We get tripped up in a hurry. Amen? We get sidetracked. Every one of us do. We get sidetracked in a hurry. That's why we emphasize reading your Bible, studying your Bible. That's why we emphasize praying and spending time in that quality time in prayer. That's why we emphasize coming to church and being a part of the church, but don't just come for the sake of saying, hey, I went to church today, I showed up, right? I, I, I checked my attendance sheet, I was there. No, it's for the purpose of that we help encourage one another and grow one another and mature one another in the things of God. Amen? That's the purpose. That's the point. And so as we look at this, not only does he say that, that we are to be sanctified, it's an interesting statement that he makes right here, and he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. And what's so interesting that just a few verses ahead of that, he talked about the day of the Lord. <laughs> What is, the great, what is the day of the Lord? Uh, it is the great day of the vengeance of our God. That is what Scripture says is the day of the Lord. It is the great day of the vengeance of our God that is going to come down upon this earth and the wrath of God is going to be poured down in a phenomenal way. And you say, well, how in the world can we mix those two together that you have a God that is a God of great wrath and His wrath is going to be poured down greatly upon this earth but yet here within this verse he's calling him just a few verses later he's calling him uh, the God of peace well let's, let's look at the testimony in, in Exodus chapter 34 and beginning in verse 6 the testimony that God gives of himself this is not somebody else saying this is the characteristics of God this is the character of God this is God himself saying uh, what his character is and saying what his characteristics are in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6 it says right here then the Lord passed in front of him that's Moses passed in front of him and proclaimed so who is proclaimed 
proclaiming this. God Himself is proclaiming this. He says, the Lord, the Lord God. In other words, He is not just the Lord, but He is the Lord, the Lord God. He is the one true God. He is Almighty God. He is all-powerful God, the one and only God. The Lord, the Lord God, He is compassionate. He is gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in loving kindness and truth who keeps loving kindness for a thousand and forgives iniquity and transgressions and sin. We we could camp out on that one for a long time. Amen? And say praise God. And that's who He is. That is 100% who He is. But then, out of the same breath, The exact same statement he continues on. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children and their grandchildren to the third and the fourth generation. He is the God who is full of compassion. He is the God who is full of grace. He is the God who is slow to anger. He is the God who is abounding in loving kindness and truth. He is the God who shows His loving kindness to thousands, but He also is the God who will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. So, well, what in the world? How, how, How do we have, it looks like two totally different gods right here. One of compassion and grace and love and truth. And one who's going to crush the ungodly. So who is he? He's both. So that's why he gives us a choice. Now as Christians, we don't have to worry about God's hand of judgment coming upon us. The Word of God very clearly tells us that uh, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. There's no condemnation upon us. We're saved. We're saved from the wrath of God. We have received the grace of God by faith. So there it is as a Christian. How has He introduced to us the God of peace? (laughs) Amen. Amen. To the world, he, he is the day of the great day of the vengeance of our God on the day of the Lord. But here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. You know what the world wants to do to you? The world wants to destroy you. The world wants to trample you. The world wants to ruin you. The world wants to use you, abuse you, get all they can get out of you, and then just spit you out and kick you to the side of absolutely no value and no worth whatsoever. You know what God did for us? God did for every single one of us, for every single man, woman, and child. God sent His only begotten Son down to this earth to die for us on the cross of Calvary to shed His precious blood that where whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because He loves us. And so there in that reminder right there, may the God of peace sanctify you and so yes we we all recognize his grace and his mercy and his compassion and his loving kindness and and all of these wonderful attributes and say hey god did this for me he didn't have to but because god did this for me i'm going to have the desire and the willingness and the unction within my heart that i may be sanctified in the inner man that i may be sanctified Entirely. 
And so when we look at this and the fact that we're sanctified entirely, how are we sanctified entirely? How are we entirely sanctified, first of all, when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're washed by the blood of the Lamb? All that sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. All that sin is removed from us. Then he goes on and says, and he says, May your spirit and soul and body be preserved completely without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who's Jesus coming for? He's coming for His church. What church is He coming for? He's coming for His bride. What bride is He coming for? That spotless and unblemished bride. Amen? And now, He says right here, may your spirit and soul and body be preserved completely without blame. Well, what in the world are all of those things? Of course, we know what our body is, right? Our body is our flesh. One of these days, our flesh is going to die. And so many times we just make the excuse, well, I'm just a a man of God. I'm just a man of, of flesh. I'm just a human being. Flesh has its way, and I, and I can't help it. The Bible tells us to present all of our members as members of righteousness unto God. That means even our flesh. Amen? Present them as members of righteousness unto God. Our, 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 our mouths and our eyes and our ears and, and, and our, our, our hands and our feet and every single thing about us that we are to present to God. Is righteous and holy unto God. As we look at that, we, we also see our soul. What is our soul? Our soul, you know, sometimes people refer to the heart as possibly the soul. What's in your heart? <laughs> right? Or what's in the heart of a man? Or maybe your emotions, or maybe even your intellect, or your thoughts, or your, your, your desires, and the things within the inner man. That, that's the soul of a person. And then, and then your spirit. Well, what's the spirit? The spirit is life. Amen? That's what gives us life. And when we receive eternal life, guess what? The Holy Spirit comes to live within us, and the very first thing He does is give to us eternal life. So we have our body, we have our soul, and we have our spirit. And as we have our body, and we have our soul, and we have our spirit, guess what? It reminds us of something. It reminds us of a very important truth that we need to comprehend. And that very important truth is that we are created in the image and the likeness of God. Amen? Now, I don't have any animals now, but I've had dogs through the years that I love those dogs. You know, I, 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 I won't say I love them as much as my children, but pretty close. Amen. And I grieved when they died. And, you know, and so I've had those things, but you know what? They're not created in the image and likeness of God. They don't have body, soul, and spirit, but the human being has body, soul, and spirit. 
It's interesting when we look in the Word of God, we find in uh, Genesis chapter 1 on the first day, uh, on the first day of creation, uh, the Bible tells us right here in verse 3, he says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So what happened? Then God said, Let there be, and there was. Then what happened on the second day? The second day of creation, we find in verse 6, it says, Then God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And so what happened on the second day? Then God said, and it was. Right? You know what happened on the third day? Then God said, and there was. On the fourth day, then God said, and there was. The fifth day, then God said, and there was. The sixth day, at the beginning of the sixth day, then God said, and there was. In fact, that's in verse 24. So what happened in verse 24? Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after their kind, cattle and creepy things and the beasts of the earth after their kind, and it was so. So then God said, and it was. But something else happened on the sixth day. Something else happened that was absolutely phenomenal, that was absolutely spectacular. And we find that in verse 26 where the tone changes completely, where it wasn't just just kind of a routine of every day. And You know, not that those aren't special because there are special. And God looked at it and said that they were good, and they were good. But after the end of the sixth day, when when everything was finalized, God said it was very good. Very good. Verse 26, then God said, so it's kind of starting out the same, but then it drastically changes. He says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all of the earth and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God says in verse 26, let us make man in our image. You know what we find right there we find the trinity we find god the father we find god the son we find god the holy spirit and we recognize the fact that we are created in the image and the likeness of god as body and soul and spirit and then god says once again in verse 27 god created man in his own image and in the image of god he created him male and female and so when we look at that and we begin to see the truths of this God created you uniquely God created you very special in fact the word of God says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made Psalm 139 and verse 14 I am fearfully and wonderfully made why am I fearfully and wonderfully made because I am created in the image and the likeness of God And so as I'm created in the image and the likeness of God, I'm created as body, soul, and spirit. God is in that Trinitarian form. And in that Trinitarian form, God said, and only for human beings, only for mankind, let us make man in our own image, symbolizing the Trinitarian form of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Son. The Holy Ghost. So God wants us to be sanctified entirely. Entirely. Body, soul, and spirit. 
She will be blameless. She will be blameless. Now, God provided that through His Son, Jesus. See, we ought to have that heart and desire within us. First of all, I'm created in His image and likeness. I'm unique. And He's given me this world to have charge over this world. And we've abused this world greatly, and we are abusing this world greatly. And I'm not getting into the uh, climate change and all that kind of stuff. We abuse one another greatly. Amen? Why do we do that? Because we're not sanctified. We're not living as He would have us to live. Being as He would have us to be. Pursuing Him in every area, entirely within our lives, in body, soul, and spirit. Instead, we're letting the world come in and consume us and shape and conform us into its image rather than allowing God to conform us into His image. Christians, we, we have, a, and it's a daily choice, by the way. Salvation's a one time. Choice. Amen? One time choice. Walking in sanctification is a daily choice. In fact, it's many times throughout the day choice. It's a minute by minute choice. It was a this person was just ugly to me. What am I going to do about that choice? Amen? But friends, if we're here looking like the world and acting like the world and walking like the world. Number one, you're far from where God wants you to be. Number two, you're not going to have an impact upon the world that's a positive impact. In fact, you might even have a negative impact upon the world. That's a Christian? I don't want any of that. My life. Those are musicians come forward. This time of invitation, Brother Doan and Miss Doy. Won't you all to stand? First of all, if you're not a Christian, if you ever have never come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come to know Him today. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. You could ever comprehend. He loves you greatly. He created you, and even though you sinned against Him, He provided a way of salvation for you. Come to know Him today if you don't already. But if you do know Him already, let me ask you a question, and this is a serious question. If you're a Christian, it's not a heaven or hell question. That question's already been answered the day you came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But it's also still a very important question. And that question is, who are you representing in your daily life? The world or Jesus? Who are you giving testimony to in your daily life? The world 
or Jesus. So in other words, who are you giving glory to in your everyday life? The world or Jesus? And if it's the world, there's only one thing that you need to do. You need to repent. You need to repent. You're not going to be where God desires for you to be, and you're going to be a hindrance to His kingdom. I'm not trying to tell you that to discourage you, to dissuade you. trying to tell you that this morning so that you would truly repent. Live up to that potential that God wants us to live to. Will we ever fully reach that potential here upon this life? No, but we aim for it. Amen? We aim for it. Every day, every moment, every second, every step, we aim for it. Is that what you're aiming for today? If not, right now during this time of invitation, repent. You can come down to this altar. You can come up to me for prayer. You can do it right there where you stand. Or turn that chair into an altar. To come as God so leads. Just like